Lead Generation Strategies for B2B Tech Companies, a podcast by Brightvision. Here, you will learn how to generate great leads from the most experienced B2B sales and marketing people. Your host today, and always, is Jakob Levenbrand, CEO at Brightvision. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the B2B Lead Jump podcast for tech companies. My name is Jacob Levenbrand. I'm the managing director of Bright Vision as well as host of this podcast. Today's guest is what you would call an expert on landing pages. He's the co-founder of the company Unbounce, which focuses on just that, as you probably already know and maybe have heard about already before. So let's welcome our guest, Ole Gardner, to today's episode. Thank you. It's uh, it's great to be here. Well, awesome to have you on the podcast today, Oli. And uh, looking forward to pick your brain about landing pages, which is really, really important for uh, all our B2B inbound marketing processes. Uh, I know a lot of uh, of our listeners run. So um, before we dive into that, I'm really excited hearing a little bit about the exciting journey you, you have done as, as an entrepreneur and co-founder of Unbounce. So maybe you can take us a little bit back and tell us about the story, why you became an expert in landing pages. That's a great question. I had to. Uh, <laughs> it's funny, <laughs> before we started Unbounce, which was back in 2009, uh, I wasn't a marketer. I, I'd worked in optimization, but it usually it was just called usability back then in terms of what we were doing, but it's, it's still optimization. So it was a fairly natural transition, but we had six co-founders. So we kind of, we divvied up, we should, you know, who's going to do what? Some of it made perfect sense. Like, yeah, yeah, you need to build this thing. You're going to be the CEO, it's your idea. And so it was a natural fit for me to do the marketing side. So I did like every pixel of our design, I did the website, I did all of uh, everything visual. I wrote every letter and word on, on the website. All of our content was me at the beginning and it was, it was a fascinating way to start because I had to force myself to become an expert in landing pages because it was there wasn't much really being talked about. You know, there were a couple of platforms out there. Nothing was self-serve. Like that's what how we kind of broke in and you know make it made a big splash. There was some kind of uh, more enterprise level things. So we were the first to come in and give people the opportunity to do it all themselves. And, you know, we, we started in August, 2009, we launched our first beta in March or April, 2010. So from, I, we launched the blog on the first week, basically, because there was no point in waiting for the product to launch. So I wanted to build an audience. So when we launched, we could tell them about it. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of went crazy with uh, with writing. It's funny. I told the guys, "Okay, I'm going to write an ebook about landing pages." And our CTO, he said, not to me, to one of the other founders, he said, "Really? He's going to spend two weeks writing this ebook? We have more important things to be doing, you know, on the website or whatever." I'm very competitive. So I heard that from someone else. I'm like, "All right, no way." So I held a brainstorm session with everybody two hours, stickies everywhere. Then I went home, pulled an all-nighter. I wrote for 24 hours, came in, 
slapped this 27 page ebook on the desk and went, all right, let's start marketing. Don't challenge me again <laughs> or do because it works out well. <laughs> awesome. And uh, was that already from the beginning uh, a strategy to focus on landing pages uh, or did that become an evolution uh, where you ended up after a few years or? No, I was from day one because Rick, our CEO, uh, we'd all worked, the six founders had all worked together for like a decade in different different groups of us in different jobs. And we were working at a company, we were on the marketing and UX side and we needed landing pages for our campaigns. And we'd have the uh, the technical teams, the engineers and developers, and we'd have to say, hey, can you build us a landing page? And they'd say, no, <laughs> you know, because they're trying to build product. Yeah. So, so it's like, okay, there's a need here. And we did some, so after we'd left those companies and Rick pulled a few of us together and said, hey, you want to do this? We, you know, a few of us said yes. And we did the research. We asked marketers, we did some, you know, uh, lean startup-y kind of, like Facebook ads that went nowhere other than thanks for telling us or thanks for clicking on that and showing that you're interested. So yeah, it was day one and we never changed path. We were, you know, very confident and it, it worked out beautifully. You know, our, our, I remember uh, Rick's first version uh, in his mind was all we need is a page with a headline and a button. <laughs> and then Justin, uh, who built the builder, you know, he, he similar to how I did it, he came back a week later because Rick was like, we can't possibly build something where you can construct all of that stuff. So Justin took that on and he came back and he's like, yeah, I just I just made this in a week, kind of a demo. <laughs> uh, but we didn't have forms. So we're talking about lead gen today. We didn't have forms for, in the first iteration. You know, it was, it was a background image, a headline and a button. But obviously, you know, a couple of months after that, we, we did that. Cause I think 70% of our customers, 70% of the landing pages are for lead gen mm. customers. So it's, it's huge as you know, in B2B. Yeah. Awesome. Wow. And the rest is history. Uh, as they say, you're today about 200 employees and one of the okay. leading, absolute leading global tools for landing pages. So, yeah, for sure. Uh, about 220, I think, employees. Wow. And yeah. yeah. And it's nice. Right. We're, we're still growing during this pandemic, which is, we're very fortunate. Because mm. I think initially, obviously, we're scared like every business, but our numbers went up immediately. Mm. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> what's happening? Yeah. Yeah. But it made sense because so many offline businesses suddenly needed to have a presence online, whether it's uh, for communications or whether it was, you know, transitioning to try and sell things online. So it actually worked out really well for us. Yeah, awesome. And uh, I, I suppose, I mean, there were so many uh, live events and, and, you know, IRL events that needed to go online. So, yeah, we have seen a similar effect, actually, from, from right. our perspective as well, where a lot of stuff needed to go online, so to say, in, in quite a short time yeah. frame as well. So... Awesome. Great to hear that you have survived and, and flourished uh, during this pandemic. So, yeah. And, and I mean, we are helping a lot of customers in the, in the B2B, especially in the tech space, uh, where we need a lot of landing pages, of course, since they're long, 
uh, sales cycles. We have a lot of information to do, and we have to transit the clients or or the prospects, sorry, say from you know top of the funnel leads all the way down to purchase and then upselling and cross selling and so forth. So yep. uh, and um, as you know, landing page is an instrumental tool. So I'm really excited to hear a little bit about uh, you know uh, what's your take on how to do a good landing page uh, <laughs> today. 2020 you know what 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 do you say is your uh, insights in this area just a little bit top of your head interesting to see 2020 um a lot about landing pages has not changed in the last 11 years yeah they've got they've got better overall but yeah there's a, it's it's the same kind of problem the same solution um in terms of the things you should be focusing on we did a lot of research our machine learning and ai uh department and we found out last year a fantastic piece of information. Like I've always said that copy informs design. You have to think about what you're trying to say before you can visualize how that should be. You know, a problem is people jump into a template and they just start filling in copy or, or images based on that without really actually thinking whether that's what they need to do. So thinking about the copy side, in the research the team did, they found out that in many uh, categories, especially SaaS and B2B, copy is two times as influential as design when it comes to conversion, mm -hmm. which is a huge thing to, to figure out. It doesn't mean design is not important. Design is massively important, but it means you should really focus on your message first. Mm -hmm. And I use a technique when I do my presentations where I I jump in a, a document and I just spew my ideas out into bullet points. I just, I'll just be like every single thing I want to say in my talk and you can do this for your landing page. And when I've done that, I might have 50 bullet points. Now the exercise is cut it in half. Can you write it in 25? Can you do it in 12 and six and four and two and one? So mm -hmm. by the time you get all the way down there, your value proposition is super focused and you can explain what you do really clearly. You can translate that into your headline that kind of thing because clarity is the most important part of conversion so yeah and understanding the difference between a landing page and a, and a website and a home page you know your home your website is for your general brand experience this is our value proposition of our company our business but when you're running using a landing page which is for marketing campaigns you know paid ads email social whatever it is you have a campaign value prop not your general one because you might be talking about a feature or a new product and that doesn't appear on your homepage most likely because getting your homepage updated quickly there's a lot of politics and delay in getting that thing done which is why landing pages excel mm. for campaigns yeah awesome and uh i totally agree it's so easy to work with uh, landing pages compared to, to you know go into wordpress or whatever cms you have and you know all that yeah. so it's definitely an important tool for all marketers who want to crank out campaigns a little bit now and then and <laughs> working fast and agile. So I totally agree with that. So um, uh, an another thing, uh, it's interesting to hear that the copy is so important and great tip there on, on your, uh, you know, getting the, the core of the message down uh, to a few, a few sentences. But it's, it's, uh, is that an important way as you see it, how to work with landing pages in order to optimize for conversion, because 
uh, yeah, a lot of things we do on based on landing pages, of course, lead gen and you know what to mm. uh, capture somebody's email and contact the addresses and so yeah. on. So we thought think a lot about optimization in terms of conversion rate. Yep. Have you seen or any data on what really drives conversion and what things should you optimize for? Um, we've done a lot of our research has been for copy because mm -hmm. it's it's easier to do in terms of the machine learning. Mm -hmm. But in terms of optimization, I, I mean, everything I just talked about, that's the big, that's the starting point, getting your message right. But then once you are building your page, um, a smart way to think about it is to design your page. Design By design, I mean the whole experience, not just the visual, like it's the interaction, all that kind of thing. Uh, design it for information gathering and conversion research, because without conversion research, optimization is just kind of guessing. Um, so there are different things you can build into your landing pages to help you gather more information than you typically would. Now, one of the things I always talk about, and this is from research too, is that the more links you have, the more distractions, the lower your conversion rate can be. Mm. Typically that's because you're taking people away from the page, the attention ratio, which is the number of things you can do, the number of things you should be doing, you should be doing one thing, right? It's a campaign. If that's too high, your conversion rate goes down. However, interactive elements are fundamental to understanding behavior. So what I like to do is, because people like navigation, they're used to it, but navigation is for your website typically. The way you bring it to your landing page is you use a sticky anchor navigation. So you have your nav bar at the top and it's sticky, so it follows you, but all of the links are anchor links. So they bring you to different parts of the page. So people mm. still get to choose their own adventure, where show you where they're interested in going, but they don't leave the landing page. That's a smart link versus a, a silly link that takes you somewhere else where they can get lost and just fall off. And then you can start looking at your analytics. You can look at click maps, things like that, to see which ones they're actually showing interest in. Because if everyone's clicking on one, you know, three elements in the nav or one, and they're ignoring some of the others, maybe you can take some of that content out because people aren't showing any interest in it. And and, and also this comes a bit more technical setup. If you are technically minded, having Google Tag Manager on there where you can track clicks on everything mm. is really, really useful because uh, when it's set up right like this, when you're doing usability studies or if you've just got session recordings, watching people interact, you'll see things like, oh, they're clicking on that, that image or that thing that's not actually interactive but they're showing you a signal that they want more information about that thing. Mm. So you can take that information and then go, okay, well, either we need more content around that to stop them doing that because they're, they're missing something, or you can make it so that it is interactive. They click it and they'll get something relevant to that. So the more you can observe these things and, and design for information gathering, the faster you can optimize. And just a simple tip for it's because it's great to have simple, most hacks aren't true. There's no such thing, you know, but there are a couple of little things I've learned along the way uh, for lead gen, for example, changing how you ask for an email address. Oh. So if you say email address, so I did a study where I wanted more branded email addresses. So I want ollie at unbounce.com. I don't want ollie at gmail.com or hotmail or Yahoo because they're personal email addresses. I want to do email marketing when I know my email is going to them 
in their business inbox when they're thinking about business at work and they're not you know, sitting on the toilet checking personal email on Facebook. So I wanted to figure out, can I influence the number of branded business email addresses just by changing the copy on, again, copy is important, on the field label. And this was a manual exercise. I ran multiple times to, to validate it. I, and, you know, I just went through all the leads and I counted them. But I asked, when I asked for email address, about 40% of them were branded. Uh, when I said your best email address, it went up a little bit. When I said work email address, it went up about 10%. And then when I said business email address, I got about 30% more of them specifically because I asked for it, right? <laughs> Just like in life, you get what you ask for. Yeah. If you sit around and say anything, you're never going to get what you want in life. <laughs> it's the same when it comes to conversion. Tell people what you want. People are tired or people are just, you know, they're, they don't have time to think about everything. So if you guide them a little bit with instructions yeah. like that, you can get, you can get higher quality leads. Do you work as a sales, marketing, or channel manager and would like to generate great leads to your B2B tech company? Then we are here for you. By creating a qualified sales pipeline and strengthen your position in the tech industry, we help you grow. Depending on your needs, we use effective strategies like inbound marketing, telemarketing, account-based marketing, and paid media. Get more information on brightvision.com. That's a good tip there. Should should do you think landing pages should be technology heavy, so to say, or, or you know uh, using uh, advanced uh, techniques like uh, chatbots and you know automations and smart content and so on? Or what's your take on that? How how where's the sweet spot in in making it intelligent, so to say? I hate the generic response. You know, you have to test it, but you can't test everything. That's 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 naive to think that. Yeah. Um, so I hate chatbots. I hate anything that pops up in the corner asking me stuff. I close a hundred percent of those things pretty much, unless I'm trying to get someone <laughs> to get money off my phone bill or, <laughs> or I got a real problem like that. But, but you have to, if, if you get better leads or more leads or more inbound enterprise sales or whatever, by putting those things on, then that's great for you. Uh, but again, you need to analyze it. If you look at quick maps or session recordings and look at the percentage of people who are immediately closing that, mm. you know, there may be a signal there that you're not doing the right thing. But in terms of dynamic content, things like that, hugely important. It's one of the benefits of, uh, so dynamic texture placement is one of our features. So you can pass information from an ad or an email, whatever it is through to the landing page. So you can scale a lot faster. You can, you know, say you're selling shoes, mm. you're selling red shoes, blue shoes, men's shoes, women's shoes. You can have the same kind of landing experience, but you can pass those keywords through so you can change the headline, change other copy on the page to be relevant to those kinds of things. So definitely there's a place for dynamic content. Um, yeah, going back to my earlier point, I mean, sometimes the more interactive you can make a page, the more you can learn. That doesn't mean you should leave those things on the page. Sometimes you then you learn some stuff, you got some insights of how to optimize, but then, you know, sometimes stripping it back and making it load really fast mm. is, is going to be a better thing to do. 
it depends what you're doing. If it's an ebook, you don't need a lot of stuff on the page. No. If it's a callback for an enterprise sale of high value, yeah, you you might you know might need more content on the page. You might it it might need to be a heavier experience. Yeah, yeah, awesome. And I, I like the just to continue a little bit on the on the dynamic content the feature you're talking about there. We do a lot of account-based marketing campaigns now, and it's always a discussion with clients. You know, what kind of personalization levels should we put the landing pages and the content and the experience on so to say where you can do everything from you know really generic to really personal and one one so forth do you have any best practices on how to use landing pages in abm campaigns and where do you think is a good personalization level to to use um i don't personally have experience with abm but i would say that just like email marketing where you know you put their first name in mm. you know, f f name surrounded by straight lines you know when it screws up and you don't actually get a name in there <laughs> people can see through that stuff even if it does work you know it, it's supposed to be personalized but it doesn't feel that mm. personalization isn't necessarily about being friendly it's no. about being useful so that and so that comes down to segmentation segmentation is the way you should get for your personalization you know uh, one example people talk about friction in, in optimization it's really important i like to categorize it in two ways there's reducible friction and then there's removable mm. friction there we need to think more about how to eradicate it entirely now this is very hard there are there are some instances where you can only reduce friction and maybe you can't do that but some you can remove it a good example would be, okay, on a, on a lead gen form, you can take the form away and just make it a button. Just that reduces friction. It won't remove it because some people will still click, or will still leave, right? Um, you can put fewer form fields, often doesn't make any difference whatsoever. Uh, so if you need more information, add more form fields. Up to a certain point, it makes no difference in conversion. But yeah, in terms of removing, think of the example of a conference. When you're marketing to sell tickets, you have different segments. There's the segments of your audience that are your core market that hopefully your marketing has drawn them in. For us, that's SaaS, e-commerce, and wow, why am I not remembering own <laughs> agencies? An agency, wow, I'm going to get, my team's going to revolt. Um, so agencies, SaaS, and e-com. So we want to have those segments in the room. Mm -hmm. We're going to have customers. We're going to have repeat visitors. We're going to have international visitors, US, because they're the closest, biggest next to us, and locals. Now, how do we segment to do our marketing where well, we can think, well, the US, how do we encourage them to come all the way here? Well, you look at the exchange rate. It's US dollars worth 1.3 Canadian dollars. So helping them convince their boss and say, well, if you come here, the travel is going to be cheaper to come to Vancouver than it's going to New York. Your hotel is going to be way cheaper. The ticket, everything's cheaper because of the exchange rate. That's a way you can reduce the friction for that segment. But then if you think about the local market, they don't need to travel. They don't need a hotel. All they need to do is a ticket. So there's a removable friction point. Because in my research, the number one reason people don't come to conferences is the cost. And their boss won't approve it. So now you can target that segment 
with, you know, like uh, if you'll have a professional development budget, it's much more likely that you can convince your boss to come to a local event than something somewhere else. So if you can segment in the right way and find the removable elements, you can change your marketing mm. and, and be a lot more effective. So it's, it's about trying to find the different types uh, of segment that have different friction points mm. and levels. Awesome. Yeah. Great idea. Great idea. Good. That's a golden uh, nugget you offered there, but uh, <laughs> great insight. Another aspect who's uh, a bit tricky around landing pages, at least from what I hear sometimes when talking to clients who, who say that from an SEO perspective, we want to, you know, focus so much as possible on our key domain and, you know, don't want to distract too much. And then we have landing page, which is really important as well. But, you know, from an SEO perspective, how do you handle landing pages and subdomains and all these kind of things uh, from a smart perspective? Do you have any uh, tips and tricks to offer there? Yeah. For the, and that comes down to the fundamentals again, the landing pages for campaigns. So typically speaking, unless this is going to be a thing you run forever, and you want to rank for, forget about SEO, mm. because landing pages are for campaigns. They're not for the long-term driving inbound traffic through search. They're for this thing we're running for two weeks or for a weekend or for two months or whatever. Yeah. And other than that, the reason you don't want to get organic traffic showing up is because it'll pollute your data. All of a sudden you're doing paid ads and your visitors go way up, your conversions are still low, whatever. And you're like, oh, our cost per click, our cost per lead, our cost per acquisition is crazy high. When actually it's not, you just got polluted data because mm. you have people leaking in from places you didn't want them. You want to isolate this so you can understand the true behavior and performance of your landing pages. You know, otherwise it just gets kind of muddy. Ah, awesome. So that's great. So. Uh... We shouldn't just we should just take that off the table as a as a problem. <laughs> <laughs> For the most part, obviously, yeah. it's it's sometimes hard to convince a stakeholder. Yeah, yeah. But in my experience, uh, in life, business is you don't always have to ask for permission, right? Just go ahead and do something, and yeah. then you can bring evidence when you're in trouble. <laughs> you can go well, actually. This yeah. is what I found out from my research or from, especially research, just do it. Don't have permission for that. Yeah, yeah. If you're in that situation where it might be hard or political, you know, just start gathering information. Because then if you show up at a meeting and your boss is saying, I don't want us to use landing pages, SEO, blah, 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 mm. cost of getting it built. We have, a, we, have a web, we have a website. Why don't we just use that? Mm. If you can, if you just go, well, someone said it was a good idea. That's not always going to cut it. But if you can come with evidence of things you've observed, mm. you know, uh, clarity, I said, is the most important thing. If you can run, say, a five second test on the website versus your landing page, five second test is where you show people a screenshot, five seconds, you hide it and you ask them a question such as what does that company do? What product do they sell? And you gauge the success based on the percentage of people who answered correctly. Okay. If yeah. you can do that with a landing page, even a mock-up, right, or several mock-ups mm. versus the homepage, you can show, A, not only that it might be more un easily understandable and therefore might have a better chance of converting more, you might also find some incredibly embarrassing 
examples of how people misunderstand the website, mm. which again gives you um, opportunities to be given a chance to optimize your website too, because obviously that's incredibly important too, not just landing pages. Ah, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, great, great point. Um, as I understood it, you know, you really recommend to, to use uh, landing pages quite dynamically, you know, uh, short campaigns, a little bit longer, but but not static campaigns and so on. Maybe that's more for the web page, so to say. But uh, can you give some example when you're seeing a company that really got it, you know, and really leveraged their their campaigns and their marketing in a great way? Do you have any examples come to mind? How they have used that's, landing pages? That's tough, actually. Um, off the top of my head, I've, <laughs> I've seen over 100,000 landing pages. And yeah. It's funny, people try and call me out on that. But when we started the company, I used to, I went to our CTO and I'm like, I need you to give me a giant uh, data dump of, I want links, screenshots, email of the owner of this page, all this kind of stuff. Mm. And I'd go through 10,000 pages at a time, just clicking through, like some would make my eyes bleed. Some were surprisingly good. And the really great ones, I'd reach out to them and say, hey, can we use this in, as an example on the blog, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So I have seen that many landing pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so remi remembering things is kind of tough. But what I have observed is that of all the segments or industries, I find that SaaS is the most uh, effective and they, they tend to do the best job with their landing pages. Mm -hmm. Everybody, there's lots of others that do, obviously that's a generalization, but it's just what I've observed. Mm -hmm. um, why that is, I don't know. It might just be that SaaS is, it's kind of grown up along the same time as landing pages. Mm -hmm. And because, you know, startups and anything in that realm versus versus e-com let's say which is selling things it's not so much about a value prop when it comes to SaaS b2b you're always trying to optimize your value proposition so people understand it so i think that's why that that segment is actually they've been yeah. ahead of the game and somewhat but not every segment you know you might be in automotive or in education higher education tends to be several years behind mm -hmm. in terms of their understanding of b2b marketing i've spoken mm -hmm. at lots of higher ed conferences and, and automotive and there are elements uh businesses who are significantly behind others it's yeah it's kind of quite varied yeah interesting so that's awesome to hear uh so what do you think uh landing page campaigns have in store for 2021 do you see any trends or does it unbounce focus on something new or new mm. features techniques or what's coming around the corner yeah, in terms of, uh, it's funny, in terms of trends, I mean, unless you're in the fashion world, you know, and uh, Yves Saint Laurent is going to come out with, they're going to define the, the new trends. It's it's kind of harder. Typically, a trend comes out of someone innovating and then people copy that, it becomes a trend. Yeah. But for us, uh, you know, we've been hearing about AI for years. A lot of it's in smoke and mirrors, you know, everyone's trying to get in there. We've actually got there. We're the first in the market to actually launch some legitimate machine learning AI feature and it's called smart traffic. I'm glad you asked because one of the big problems for 
especially small businesses when it comes to optimization is they don't have enough traffic to run an A-B test. Mm. And they also say they're in an industry where they're a bit further behind in their education on it. They'll, most people run an A-B test wrong to begin with and it takes a long time to figure it out. You'll, you'll cut it short before you have enough traffic and you'll make assumptions like, oh, this one's winning right away. It has three conversions. That one has one. Let's put that one live. It's better. It's not better. You, you did it wrong. Um, so smart traffic is a, a more advanced optimization platform. So if you're doing A-B testing, you run one or two or three pages against one another. One performs better, you throw the rest away. Now, the problem with that is, yes, you chose the highest performing, but there are some people who would only convert on that B or C page that you've now thrown away. They weren't gonna convert in the winner. So it's a, a lossy system. You are removing some conversions by doing that, even though you've optimized it a bit. Smart traffic takes things like your location, time of day, device, operating system, and it uses our AI to predict which of your page variants they're most likely to convert on, and it directs them accordingly. You don't throw away the pages because person 75 is only gonna convert on page C. So we push them there, and just because A converts better, we don't throw uh, the other ones away. So it's a much, more effective. You can see uh, improvements in 50 visitors versus you might need thousands for traditional A-B testing. Uh, it's fantastic. So, and because of the different ways it's looking at that traffic, you, you, some of your optimization choices are easier. Like when you're coming up with a page variant, it's kind of difficult sometimes. What should I change? But with this, if you know, oh, one of the things is time of day. Well, maybe I want to create a page variant that's like in dark mode which is a common UI thing now. So let's make the page a bit darker. Uh, so it might be easier and more enjoyable to consume and read late at night. That might perform better. If you can, you know, maybe people on iOS are more likely to convert. You'll see these things. And we see just by, you know, you make these variants and it's typically easier than a regular test. And then you turn it on, it's just a button press. And our customers average 30% more conversions just by turning it on. Wow, that's awesome. That's really yeah. cool. It's it's legitimately fantastic. It's we've actually got this, you know, this new tech performing now compared to promises yeah. from companies for years, but it's it's really cool. Wow, cool. Actually, that's the best example of using AI in marketing technology that I probably heard since we have actually had podcasts around that area, but it's it's hard to point on, yeah, this really helped us solve this problem, you know, since it's quite new and not all vendors have implemented it and so forth. So that's a great example of using machine learning in, in marketing technology. So great. Yeah, and if you, if you think about how, especially what we're seeing, the evolution of um, people actually paying attention to diversity and things like that, that's something you can use in your marketing because you're gonna have different segments, different uh, people from different places, different backgrounds, different race, all these things. You can use that photography, that language in your different page variants because someone who relates to the photography on the page is gonna feel more comfortable, more welcomed because it reflects them. Yeah. Uh, instead of just, you know, a page full of five old white guys, you know, it's when you do that, you, you'll appeal to people because it will resonate. 
and that's a great use of that technology too because everybody wants to see themselves represented in the marketing that's coming towards them mm. you know it's a, it's a more respectful way to do marketing and yeah it, it's exciting that you can you can bring it to that level that's awesome well Ole, uh i know you're a busy guy so we could probably go on for a few more hours here talking about the organization, but thank you so much for your time. It was great. But uh, before we go, uh, I know a lot of people, you know, uh, most of them have probably already come across your website, but I know you have a ton of great content on landing pages, optimization and so forth. So can you give us some tips off links or places to go if you want to check out Unbounce and landing pages more? Definitely. Um, our blog is fantastic. We also have a resources section which has some of our, our tools. We have a landing page analyzer, which is great. You put in the URL of your page, what industry, if it's lead gen or click through, and it'll analyze it in lots of fantastic ways. And it's not just, it'll give you scores, but it's also actionable. It'll say, oh, your social graph isn't set up. So when people tweet this page, it looks weird. It's not communicating the right thing, or you're missing these tags, or it's slow loading, or we've analyzed the copy, you might want to change the tone of this based on our machine learning stuff. So it's super actionable, super useful. So you can find that in the resources section. I'd definitely check that out. Wow, a great tip. Thank you so much. We'll make sure we put it in the show notes as well so everybody can find it. Awesome. Well, Oli, so good to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time. And I wish you all the best and uh, good luck with Unbounce in the coming uh, year. Thank you. It was an absolute pleasure being on. Thank you for listening to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B tech companies. Don't forget to subscribe. You will find it where podcasts live. Discover how we can help you with your lead generation activities at brightvision.com.